quick just a name only and then we find if you go into verse two that Ruth goes to Naomi and says to her please let me go into the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor and Naomi says go my daughter now I'll tell it to you this way your need is God's opportunity your need is God's opportunity we live in a culture that isn't willing to acknowledge personal need We live in a place that values independence and pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. But when it comes to life with God, our need is His opportunity. When you're in a position of need, He has the space to work in your life. In today's message, Pastor Daniel is going to use the life of Ruth to show you that your moment of need is fertile ground for miracles. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Ruth chapter 2 as he begins his message, One Amazing Woman. You know, I'm always amazed at how powerful an impact one person can have, and specifically the ability of one amazing woman to change the world. I mean, I feel honored. I've been surrounded by amazing women my entire life. I think of my own mom, Christine. Man, my mom was a piece of work, man. God bless that girl. So listen, my mom had a two-year-old and then she gave birth to twins, me and my twin sister. So my mom had three kids under the age of two at the same time. Now, what was amazing is, is that I was actually a colic baby. Some of you are like, I could totally see that Fusco. But like, there was like a legitimate medical reason for my colic because, I mean, obviously my mom had twins and a two-year-old. And so, you know, obviously they were using formula. And so they didn't realize that I was lactose intolerant. So this was at the time, the only formula was milk-based formula. Now you can have like soy or weed milk formula or whatever else your kind of thing is, you know, but now there's a million alternatives to regular milk-based products, but I was lactose intolerant. So they were giving me all this milk-based, you know, formula and I was a cranky, cranky baby. And my mom, given her kind of amazing personality, they just decided that they were going to stick me in the garage when I was cranky. And that was my mom's way of dealing it. And listen, you know, as a parent, I can straight up respect that now, you know? <laughs> but then that leads into the entrance of another amazing woman in my world, my grandma. Because my grandma, you know, this is my mom's mom. You know, my grandma was like not having her grandson be in the garage. So my grandma would stay in the garage with me. And I was born in the winter. So I'm in New Jersey in the garage in the winter. And then every once in a while, my grandma would swing the door open and then my mom would be like, shut the door. He's so loud in there. And she'd be like, it's freezing here in the garage. We're coming in. And she'd be like, don't you bring that kid into my house right now. And so my grandma would hang out in the garage with me. And it was so fun because I kind of growing up with my mom 
and her personality, which was amazing. And then my grandma with her personality, but they had different personalities, but they were mother and daughter. And so my mom was very specific, very strong. And my grandma was just kind of always in it for the good time. You know what I mean? And so watching the dynamic of these two amazing women really was a kind of a sight to behold. I was, I feel honored. I kind of had two, you know, sets of moms, you know, like the fun, crazy one, my grandma, and then my real mom, who was awesome. And just the impact of them on my life. And then of course, I was blessed. I have two sisters, both amazing women, my older sister, Trisha. So Trisha is an educator like my mom, and she's a mom. She's also a phenomenally gifted artist and singer. And one of the smartest people I ever met, literally, my sister, Trisha. And then my twin sister, Jody. so she's a lawyer. She also has five boys, so she's raising a basketball team. And I don't know how she pulls all this off. Just amazing women who are just phenomenal. And then, of course, you know, my favorite woman of all is my bride, Lynn. You know, like, amen. <laughs> Cheer for me, pray for her. And she's legitimately the kindest person that I've ever met. And I love watching how God uses her. She's a tremendous mom. You know, I always say that, you know, a mom's proof is in the pudding. Like my three kids, they're they're bright-eyed, unique, you know, sinners. (laughs) But they're mine and ours. And I I just love them. And I see how God uses Lynn and and even how God uses her in my own life. And, And I'm so humbled and honored, you know, to be surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses of women who are just uniquely gifted and and walking in the steps that God has. And I bring all this up because really we're studying the book of Ruth and today we're going to look at one amazing woman. We're seeing this example of this woman walking by faith. And when A woman walks with the Lord and allows God to do what he wants to do. Extraordinary things happen. So to continue this series, such a great place to jump on and open up in your Bibles to the book of Ruth chapter two, Ruth chapter two. If you're flipping through the Bible and you're looking for the book of Ruth, it's towards the beginning. It's the eighth book in your Bible. You have the five books of Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Then you have the book of Joshua, Judges, and then a little book called Ruth. Just four chapters long in between the book of Judges and the book we know of as First Samuel. Now, before we jump into the text, I just want to put this moment in context. So what we have is we have the story of a woman named Naomi. She's married to a man named Elimelech. They have two sons, Malon and Chilion. And there's a famine in Bethlehem. So they leave where they live. They go about 50 miles to the land of Moab. And they're seeking just to survive. Now, while they're there, Elimelech dies. And then Malon and Chilion, their two sons, get married to two women of Moab. One woman's name Orpah and the other woman's name is Ruth. And then both sons end up dying. And at the end of the first chapter, which we took in our last message, what we found was that Naomi was encouraging both of these, her daughters-in-laws, to go back, back to their parents' house to get remarried. And Orpah decides to take Naomi up on it. But Ruth says, no, no, no. I trust not only you, but I trust your God. And I want your God to be my God. I want your people to be my people. See, Ruth takes a step of faith, a step that wasn't convenient or comfortable for her. It was, she was more vulnerable. 
And so she decides to stay with Naomi. And then they arrive back in Bethlehem, the town where Naomi and Elimelech were from. And when everyone gets excited because it's been over a decade and now Naomi's back and Naomi's like, listen, don't call me Naomi, which her name means pleasant or lovely. Call me Mara. Call me, and that means bitter. See, she left because there was a famine in the land of food, but she returned with a famine in her heart. All of the lost, all the things she's experienced was hurting her. But they're there in Bethlehem. And so now the story picks up in Ruth chapter two, verse one, where it says, there was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech, His name was Boaz. And so Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, go my daughter. And then she left verse three and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now, What goes on here is that we get introduced to this relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech, a man named Boaz. Now, remember I talked about the impact of one amazing woman. Does anybody know who Boaz's mom was? You should know from Matthew chapter 1. There's a woman named Rahab. Rahab is actually Boaz's mom. Now, if you don't remember the story, I'm going to tell it to you real quick. Remember in the beginning of the book of Joshua when God was bringing the children of Israel into the promised land? The city of Jericho was this walled city. It was the first city that they ran into. Now, they sent spies in, and the spies ran into a woman named Rahab. And Rahab told them all that was going on. And Rahab's like, listen, will you protect me and my family? And they told her how to do it. And so she protected the spies a group of people she didn't know, a God who she had heard about but believed in, and then God promised to protect her. And now you fast forward, Rahab has been protected, and she becomes Boaz's mom. So again, the power of one amazing female trusting the Lord and making a good decision. Now she sees her son, and what we learn about this man, Boaz, right in the beginning, he was a man of great wealth. So this man, Boaz, was a man who was very successful. And he was a relative of Elimelech. So he's of the tribe of Judah. All this stuff sits together. Now, so we meet Boaz real quick, just a name only. And then we find, if you go into verse 2, that Ruth goes to Naomi and says to her, please let me go into the field and glean heads of grain after him, in whose sight I may find favor. And Naomi says, go, my daughter. Now, I'll tell it to you this way. Your need is God's opportunity. Your need is God's opportunity. Now, let me explain to you where I get that from. Because really what's going on right now is that Ruth and Naomi, they don't have husbands. They weren't able to work. And so they were very vulnerable in that society. And so when it says that Ruth said, let me go and glean in the fields, this was part of what you could call the welfare system of the children of Israel. Is that what would go on is that a landowner who had a field, when it was time to harvest that field, there was provisions to take care of people who were vulnerable and poor. Let me read it to you. I'm reading this from Leviticus chapter 19, verses 9 and 10. It says this. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest. You shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather every grape 
of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. Now, imagine this. This is a law for the children of Israel. So when you have a field or a vineyard, you would think, okay, so when it's harvest time, I'm going to get all of the profits. I'm going to keep it all. And says, no, no, no. You are not to glean all your field. You're not supposed to take every grape. Why? You leave some there to provide for the poor and for the stranger, the person who is a foreigner in the land who needs your generosity to be provided for. And if that provision or that law is not enough, what does he say? I am the what? The Lord your God. See, that's important because the Lord is grounding this provision of caring for those who are vulnerable in I am God. I'm the one who provides for you. And so really what you have here is you have this reality that God wants us out of the profits of what we do to honor him by taking care of other people. Now, some people say, oh, that's so nice, but this is the way the marketplace was supposed to work. Now, could you imagine you have a business? You're like, man, I'm going to wring every bit of profit out of that business for myself. And this is like, no, 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 don't, because the profit comes from me and it's to help other people. And Ruth and Naomi are in a place of need. So Ruth is saying, can I go on out into the fields and try and find some grain because everybody in this community is supposed to be doing this so that we can eat? And what's beautiful is Naomi says, yeah, okay, go, my daughter. And it says that Ruth begins to do this and she gleans the field after the reapers. Now, when you read the reapers, obviously, like when I read the reapers, I'm like, who are the reapers? The grim reapers is a bad 80s metal band name or something. But the reapers were the people who reaped the harvest out of the field. So we don't really use that phrase all that much. But the idea is, so she's in the field and she ends up in the field of Boaz. Right? So it sets the stage. Now, remember I said, your need is God's opportunity. Now, here's the thing. I realize that we live in 21st century America, Western context, which means we don't like to ever express that we have a need of any sort. I mean, of course, we need faster internet and shorter lines at the coffee place. But other than that, it's like showing need is not a cultural value because it's like, we have it together. We always put on the best face. You know, we got it all together. And God forbid we show need. But really, that is our cultural pride and not the heart of God. Because the heart of God says, in effect, that when you have a need, that is when I'm going to reveal myself the most powerfully to you. As I like to say, if you have issues, you are a prime candidate for God to do something miraculous in your life. Because when you got it all squared away, you don't need God in the same way because God's already provided for you in advance. But in the moments of crisis, that's where you see God the most powerfully. So the thing is, is that we have a tendency to want to push our needs away or to cover them, but actually needs are God's primary vehicle to change our lives. Now, here's the thing. Each one of our souls have great need in it. And you might not need anything materially, but your soul has great needs. And what most people do is they try and satisfy the needs of the soul with all sorts of things, right? You try and put things in there to fit. Now, here's what I will tell you. And it's been said many, many times that in effect, God created all of us with almost like a God-shaped hole in our soul that only he can fill. 
And until we allow him to fill that, we're going to try to fill it with all sorts of things. And many of us know what that's like. I know what it's like. I didn't grow up believing this stuff. So, man, believe me, I know what it's like. But when you try and fill that God-shaped hole in the center of your being with anything else, it might help you for a moment, but deep down you know, I'm still missing something. It's not like saying, I'm trying to put a square peg in a round hole. You're trying to fill all the ocean with a drip of water. And you know it, but you try. But what I want to tell you is that All of us have need. And when we come to the Lord and say, Lord, I need you, God. I need you. He's like, I've always been here for you. I know that you need me. I created you to need me because outside of me, you have no life without me. The Bible says in the Lord, we live and we move and we have our being outside of him. There's no such thing as life. But for many of us, we're like, I don't want to believe in the Lord. I don't believe in God. You know, and then I always love it when people say, I don't believe in God for scientific reasons. It's like, well, hello, the only reason you can have a scientific reason is because of God. There's no such thing as the wisdom of observation without God. So that's the ultimate. You're like, really? You're so smart, huh? Now, I feel like I can jest about that because I was this exact same way. I don't believe in God. I need evidence. Only one day I realized that everything is evidence. The fact that I can even want evidence is evidence. Like the fact that I even think I want evidence for this. Like where did that thought come from? But listen, what goes on for each one of us is that we have needs. And when we allow God into the midst of our needs, he takes our needs and he leverages it to get some stuff done. And that's what we have going on here. See, Ruth and Naomi are vulnerable and they are in need. And Ruth says, I'm going to go out and glean. I'm going to go hope for the kindness of people. I'm going to go glean in the fields. And then she ends up in the field of this man named Boaz. Now, look at what happens next. It says, picking up in verse 4, it says this. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered him, the Lord bless you. And then Boaz said to his servants, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and she has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. Verse 8, And then Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. So she fell on her face, bowed to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? And Boaz answered and said to her, it has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and have come to the people whom you did not know before. The Lord repay your work and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge." And then she said, let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your 
your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. Now, we heard about Boaz. We know that Ruth is in Boaz's field. But we learn a lot about Boaz just by simply the way he shows up. He shows up and he comes to the guys who are reaping in his field, the workers that he's hired. And notice what he says to them. He says to them, the Lord be with you. And they answer to him, the Lord bless you. Now, you learn a lot about a person by the way that they speak. And think about what Boaz does. Does he walk up to his reapers and he goes, what's up? Is that what he says? No, he says, the Lord be with you. He blesses the people. Now, I think about this all the time because, you know, like our oldest at home, Obadiah, he's 13 years old. And when you see Obadiah, Obadiah goes, what's up? And for those of you who don't know what that means, that's what's up contracted down to, but Obadiah's 13, which means he's way too cool for me. So he doesn't even look up, he just goes, what's up? But Boaz is a man of God because Boaz walks on up and he sets the stage. He says, the Lord be with you. See, he blesses his workers. How many of you have a boss that walks in and blesses you? How many wish you had a boss who did that? Amen. Boaz was that dude, right? Boaz, when he rolled on in, he set the stage. His workers, he blesses them in the Lord. Now, isn't that so much better than Seth? Or even the more, how are you today? Right? Like, those aren't bad greetings, but Boaz has got something here. It tells us a little bit about who he is. He goes on and he pronounces God's blessing over people, which is one of the ways he wants us to be, as his people. People who walk in the blessings of the Lord because of who Jesus is, and we proclaim blessings over people. And his workers know right away, Lord be with you, the Lord bless you. They're going back and forth. They're having like a little rap battle with one another. It's super cool. And then Boaz looks around and he, and he grabs the, one of the people. He says, hey, so um, whose young girl, woman is this? Now, I think that's interesting because what it tells us is that Boaz and Ruth are not of the same age, right? Boaz was most likely more Naomi's age than he was Ruth's age. So he asks about Ruth and this guy, the servant who's in charge of the reaper said, it's the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. So Boaz notices her, asks about her, and then we find Boaz goes and talks to her. Now, before I explain to you what he says and why he says it, I want you to get the principle, and it's this, is that your testimony will open doors. Your testimony, who God is in your life and how you respond to God, that's your testimony, it will open doors for you because that's exactly what happens to Ruth. Because right away when Boaz hears that this is that young Moabite woman who returned to Bethlehem with Naomi, he begins to step on out to bless her, to take care of her. Look at what he says to her. He says, and I think this is so awesome the way he speaks to her. He says to her, you will listen, my daughter, will you not? Verse 8. Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Jesus is real. Your need is God's opportunity. Have you ever thought of it that way before? Take a moment and soak in that truth. In today's message, Pastor Daniel showed us that while showing need is not something widely accepted in our culture, it's fertile ground for the creator of the universe. 
God reveals himself powerfully in the middle of need. If you have issues, you're a prime candidate for God to do something miraculous in your life. Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page, JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the Stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share the truth behind the great needs of your soul. Most people try to satisfy the needs of the soul with all sorts of things. God created each of us with a God-shaped hole in our hearts. Until we allow Him to fill that, we're going to try to fill it with everything else. The only place to find life is in the Savior. In Him, we live and move and have our being. He is real life. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Oasis. Please glance at the clock right now. Make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.